Hey friends, this is Holly Goodman, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's group of exceptional autism parents. We are recording. So is there any points before we start? Anybody have anything we want to make sure that you have a special point that you want to make sure that you can bring up or just so that I can put it on my list and make sure that we segue to it? Are you guys listening to this podcast because you're just wanting to know what to do or you guys found something that works? Tanya's over there laughing. You're laughing too. You guys are scaring me a little bit here. Tanya's rubbing her eye. Like, do you have a plan? You're a counselor here. You're my, like, ace in the hole. What do you got for me? Tell me you got something. I don't know. Oh, you don't know? Maybe we didn't, maybe I didn't understand the question. Were we going to be sharing? Yeah, sharing your examples. Yeah. Of solutions or just the problems and things we experience? Either or. I think we can. Yeah, no, I think both. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ronnie is going to be joining us, and she was serving dinner at Logan Elementary School, so she couldn't get back and wrap, cleaned up and wrapped up in time. So that's why I'm going to put her at the end. Um, so what I might even do is have her listen to our stories. But Ronnie is going to be kind of our – she works in the BI classroom, behavior intervention classroom at Logan mm-hmm. Elementary. So those are kind of like the – those are some – kids that are very spicy. And so Ronnie, the secret to Ronnie's success, which is part of what she uses in Sibling Spotlight, is is that it's the art of saying no without actually saying no. Because no is a trigger. Like when you have to decline, like deny them something, that's a trigger. Um, And also, you know, like she's really for her kids, uh, you know, because a lot of them are very transient lifestyles. She um, is really the only like structure that they have. And so when they come to school, like who do you who, who are you the crappiest to? Your parents, right? Well, Ronnie tends to be the one that they're crappy to also because she is like that safe person for a lot of them. So she gets a lot of ugly behavior, but she has this way of being able to deny and delay without in such a way that they don't even realize that she's doing it because like it's the art of saying no without actually saying no. So I was going to have her give us some of her gems and like, tell me how you word some of these things when I hate math and I don't want to do it. Tell me how you do it. Oh, you have kiddos that are coming for your assistance now, right? Morgan is determined to scare us. What is that? Morgan is just on a campaign and mission to constantly try to scare to us. us sneak and to scare us. And she's not the most stealthy person. I like that. So we'll just share some of our examples of what kind of that, you know, like combative language and like combative behavior, you know, give us some examples of what that looks like. And then if you found anything that works, that would be amazing because, but understand that Ronnie's going to kind of give us some, some suggestions at the end, kind of like some, you know, when I get resistance from a kid because of X, Y, and Z, here's my strategy, the art of saying no without saying no. So does that sound like a good plan? You guys are in a little bit of a pickle now. Oh, David, no, it, it's, a, it's a great plan and I'll get into this. It's just the entire day our kids have been ignoring us until now we're trying to do a podcast and now they're right on top of us. So I can hear Morgan <laughs> probably starting to protest, but here goes. Um, I told you the life. one about, yeah, summertime last year where when we started, 
summer vacation and Morgan had just determined that means no rules. And so we'd uh, go up at night to collect her. This happens every beginning of summer vacation. Okay. By the way, this is and and as soon as they declared that the kids were not going back to school. Oh, yeah. It became summer to her. So, I mean, we would go, I would go up and I'd just say, Morgan, uh, we need to collect the iPad. She's like, you're supposed to forget the rules. I'm like, well, I didn't. She's like, well, I'm going to call the police and tell them that you murdered somebody. I'm like, well, you're able to get them on the phone. <laughs> I'll address that at the time. Um, but for the time being, we would need the iPad. And there were nights where she would uh, make good on her threat and she would take off down the street running with her iPad. And I would just simply have to say, hey, Morgan, there's a dog around the corner. And she would stop because she's like terrified. And then she would just stammer home just like, fine, but I'm going to. I'm going to get new parents. And I'm like, well, you got your iPad. So you could probably Google new parents and see what comes up. But I mean, I think the thing that we determined here ages ago in order to just kind of set the expectation is just, you know, chaos is the new normal. As long as that's the expectation on a daily basis of what we're going to get. And I mean, there are outbursts and an outburst comes whenever you Tell her she can't do the thing that she wants to do. You, you can just expect it mostly um, every time. And so, I mean, we've heard things like, you should have been born without a mouth. Um, yeah, <laughs> she's um, you know, They're sitting you, here listening to us now. She's like, you need to check your brain. You're something wrong with your brain. And so, you need a new brain. And so I think the thing that's that um one thing that i determined is i just i couldn't race to the level of emotion because anytime i did it would just escalate escalate and it's funny because when i started doing that when i started talking like in the tone that i'm talking right now to try to address her it really freaked her out because she's like now you're scaring me because i'm not getting upset i'm not like you know getting to the point of yelling all of a sudden she's like what's this this is really scary and i'm like actually i'm trying to diffuse the situation i'm trying to talk to you calmly that took a while to kind of navigate um, but you know, that's the best thing we can do for the solution is just to slow down and just say, look, you know, and try to, um, reason with her. Yes, sweetie. And do so in a calm, orderly fashion. And it's not always the most effective thing, but it's the thing we try. I hear that actually. One of the things that I got earlier today is while not everyone could be sorry, I have, you know, it's Murphy's Law. We're doing this podcast a little, this recording a little earlier in the day. And um, so I still have people coming in and out of my house, which causes the dogs to go berserk. So I do apologize for that. But um, exactly what you were saying, David, on that is there was a, a parrot ed that did feel comfortable being part of this podcast. However, just because of confidentiality, but they did want to be like a strategy be noted. And that's a lot of what you just said there is that, um, you know, she was working with the kiddo um, and just the second day working with the kiddo, he was upset at school. He's laying on the floor and he's, you know, kicking and screaming. And he, and he says, I hope you guys don't have kids in the room, but he yells basically, you know, I hate your effing a hole. Um, and showing no emotion, she just responded, that's okay. You know, I don't really like those either. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you know, that's okay. Like, it doesn't bother me that you're using this language. And, um, you know, it's when you react and you get explosive and then you respond, it's kind of, it just escalates and it just kind of feeds off of it. And so she says as a parent, 
um, you know, she can't get wound up about the language that they're using because they're angry and they're reacting. And so just staying totally calm, totally neutral and being like, that's okay. You know, like you're upset. I hear that um, seems to be like her best um, option for de-escalating some of that combative language and just that behavior. Um, so I think definitely a lot of the things that the kids say, they expect to get a reaction from it. Yes. So if we're, if we're intentionally not reacting, then it surprises them some, sometimes it can escalate things a little bit, but sometimes they can have the opposite reaction in that they will, they'll calm down and think, okay, that didn't, didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. And they may need to rethink this. Yeah. Chevy, you're still with us here on this call. Why don't you give us some examples of what your, I'm doing a podcast. Um, Chevy, why don't you go ahead and give us an example of some of the, some of your experiences? Cause now you have neurotypical boys and then you have. Your yes. Sister. Yeah. So yes. The background. So with our daughter being, uh, having moderate autism, we don't necessarily have the combative language because we don't really have, I guess the language yet to have that type of language yet, which I mean, in the future, probably. <laughs> um, but right now it's more, uh, behaviors. It's a lot of, ex- you know, more of those explosive physical behaviors. Um, uh, we actually had a situation with Kira. She's very set on routine and, uh, sometimes she decides, uh, if we do something new, sometimes she decides that that's her new routine. Like she'll just decide, yep, I like that. So that's now a part of my routine. And if you do not repeat that, uh, you're going to have a problem. So for example, when she was going to ABA therapy clinic, uh, the upstairs has a vending machine. She likes to ride up in the elevator. So we would take her up and down the elevator. Um, and one of the times she had to go to the bathroom. So I said, okay, let's go potty up here. And she went to the bathroom, saw the vending machine was like, oh my gosh, the vending machine has my favorite chips. So we, we, um, she wanted the chips, started having a meltdown. I didn't have any money. So I'm like, I, literally, I cannot get you these chips. We do not even have the money. So I took her downstairs. We went to the car. She was still freaking out about it. And I was like, geez, like this one time, we'll just get the chips. So I got my money, took her back, we got the chips. Oh, happy days. She was just like super happy. Problem was two weeks after, for two weeks after that, every single day, chips, chips, chips. Nope, we're not going to get chips. Instant meltdown, freaking out um, to the point of her trying to to smack her head on basically on the pavement outside, trying to get her in the car. Took three therapists, 45 minutes of a full meltdown because of this chip situation. Um, literally because uh, at that point, it wasn't about chips. It was just fight or flight because she was just so mad. Yeah. Um, sometimes we have to sit it out. I know it, it's it's not pleasant. It's not great. It's not fun. I mean, you figure out how strong a five-year-old is when they're really giving all their force. Um, but in that situation, we had to wait it out. It was 45 minutes of just absolute screaming, thrashing around, trying to prevent her from hurting herself. But we kind of just had to sit that situation out. Um, what I try to do before we get to these kind of bigger uh, meltdowns is I try to just have distraction and 
and redirection is our biggest tool with her being so young. Um, so for example, for a while, I bring her favorite chips in the car. So instead of her trying to go back in the building and it being this whole thing, we, she would just have the chips already in the car. So it's like, oh, if you get in the car, look, look, we already have your chips. They're in the car. So then we wouldn't deal with the big explosion of us not following that routine of going in the elevator and getting the chips. Uh, so sometimes just figuring out, okay, how can we kind of curve this before it happens? Or sometimes I even just have to carry like candy with me. And uh, I always have her iPad in the car ready for when she comes back. Um, and it's just trying to navigate that. But it is tricky because, like I said, she sometimes will do something one time and she decides, okay, that's part of my routine now. And it's like trying to kind of undo that. Yeah. I guess. Well, and I have found too, like with Caleb, um, you know, he really does want to be a good kid. It's hard. You know what I mean? Um, and he really doesn't want. Uh, you know, he wants me to be happy with him. He wants his teachers, the people that he cares about, he wants them to be pleased with him. And so what I've always, what I have started doing, because you're absolutely right, you give it like you set this precedent one time, and then it becomes that routine that they want. So what I try to do is then is like really um, do a lot of like talk, like talking about the fact that, you know, hey, this isn't going to be our routine today. Here's what the, what's going to happen. It's not going to include la 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 because other so that way he knows and he can predict it and be disappointed. Um, but also too, when then he's doing stuff that I really really appreciate, I try and give him like an overabundance of positive feedback because it's like when he's doing something really good, um, and he's getting like that um, that feedback that you know oh I just appreciate appreciate this so much like this just you know makes me so happy then he's trying to figure out ways of recreating that as opposed to you know I mean and he's still when he is angry he is mean and he says not nice things um but I do think when he finally comes down he does a lot more repair you know what I mean because I I'm modeling like and commenting on the things that he's doing well um so I think that for him then um he also gives me feedback of what I'm doing well as a mom that he appreciates because I think in his mind, he's figured out that like, Hey, so I'm going to see Like, I like it. She's telling me all the stuff that I like that I'm doing that, you know, that he's doing well. So he uses it with me sometimes too. And it's just like, you, you're trying to use this against me, but I feel like that's not necessarily a bad thing. At least it's positive. You know what I mean? I really like it. Mom, when you actually like, when we go to the store and you let me get a candy because I've been, you know, like behaving myself, like pointing out, remember, like when I'm behaving myself, you like, let me, you know, like get, you know, have this treat or whatever. So I find that it's kind of a double uh, edged sword that it works. You know, I'm giving him good feedback. So he knows what the behavior that I do like, but then I have noticed that as he's getting older, he's starting to use my, um, I call it my Jedi mind tricks against me, but I'll take it. <laughs> at least you know it's like a positive thing as opposed to saying like you're a shitty mom and i hate your guts you know what i mean but <laughs> lord knows i've heard that once or twice um so and he knows that i don't like profanity so when he uses profanity then it's like that's the coup de gras like that's the worst of the worst so how about you tanya um so with logan we actually see a lot more behaviors at school than at home so, so now yeah. here's the thing. If that's the case, you're doing something at home. Well, which is amazing. So you know, like, the demands on him that he has at school and he doesn't have the overstimulation of being in a class with 25 other kids. Well, and that's true. At home, you can predict your environment and you also are very structured and you have a nice routine. 
right? Um, for the most part, yes. Yeah. Exactly. You you seem to be very um, structure oriented. And also like your background is a school counselor. So I think that maybe subconsciously you kind of understand the inner workings of how his brain works. So you can navigate that. Yes. And a lot of Logan's behavior actually stems from just very severe anxiety. And so one of his biggest meltdowns at school this year happened like right before lunch and he was upset in the classroom. And so he wasn't being safe. And so basically, um, so his teacher, the, the rest of the class was going to lunch. And his, so his teacher kept him back because he wasn't having safe behavior. Well, he is very, very schedule oriented and routine. And so being late for lunch is an absolute no. <laughs> so he freaked out more by the fact that she was keeping him back from going to lunch with his classmates. And so it caused him to literally just have a complete meltdown because it threw off his routine, his schedule, his going to lunch with his class. He just couldn't handle it. And so he lashed out at his teacher. Yeah. And so how, how do they redirect? How, what are the things that they do to get him back to his baseline at school? Well, um, one of the things they do is um, he's allowed to, we're trying to work with him on asking, but he can take breaks pretty much whenever he wants. Cause they're trying to encourage him when you get to the point where you feel like you're getting really upset, you need a break. And so they let him go down. Um, he's on, their school's a two-story school. So he goes down to the first floor because his classroom's on the second floor. And they have an area um, where they have um, bicycles, um, stationary bikes, and a trampoline. And so he'll go and he'll ride off energy on the stationary bike. And so it's one of the things he'll do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he likes doing that for a break. So, um, the other thing is making sure he's fed because if he's hungry. Oh, yes. I have to be honest with you. I'm, I'm the, I have the kid that turns into the monster when he's hungry. Like all of a sudden, mm-hmm. immediately when he starts using profanity and screaming at me mm-hmm. about what a crappy parent I am, I immediately, it's like, we have to find food. Like we have to get food yeah. first and foremost, get something and, in his system before yep. we can even try and deescalate this. Yeah. And the hard thing is Logan's always, Logan gets hungry quickly. So he's always hungry. And so I send him to school, like his teacher keeps snacks. I send, I have snacks that are kept actually in his teacher's classroom. And then I send him to school with like four or five snacks. And is he, is he, is he able to identify that like, oh, like I'm overreacting because I'm hungry? Because no, he has not figured out. Yeah, there's no, he has not figured out what that. I I tell him, I'm like, you need to go get something to eat right now. Well, and that's what I say. I point out, it's like, wow, I feel like the size of your reaction does not match the size of this problem. Do you think mm-hmm. maybe you need to get a snack because you're hungry? And that's the reason why this um, reaction is so big. Mm-hmm. And it, um, it's still like, he'll no, that's not my problem. But then he'll reluctantly eat and then he calms down. But he still doesn't have the like the perspective to be able to say, wow, yeah. what was that? Uh, yeah, I know. He doesn't and- have that perspective. And the other thing with him also is if anytime he's having a rough time and he can get really like, ver- he's very verbal. So like if he's mad, he'll use words like no other. <laughs> he's, um, but the big thing with him is you have to really stay calm because yeah. if you escalate, it makes him escalate that much. And I'm really, I have a lot more patience for staying calm than my husband does. My husband hasn't quite mastered that art. And I can see every time that like, if he starts to raise his voice, Logan just loses it even more. 
and you have to like no matter what he's saying or doing you as a parent have to remain just completely calm with him yeah I don't do that today like I really had a not a good mom day today where I just lost my mind um and was yelling which Kayla doesn't deal well with like noise anyway so I was like shouting and the thing that was a little bit different about today which I think this is that puberty thing that you know that you know because he's a tweener now um is that he um normally he he's able to have a little bit of perspective like you know when I'm mad you know I'm like look around Caleb tell me what I might be mad about and today this was his reaction I don't know I have no idea why you're freaking out on all of us okay like literally my living room is destroyed with dirty dishes like 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 cereal bowls on the floor and like wrappers and stuff. And it's like, really? Like you have no clue. It was like, he was just being hourly. Like, I have no idea why you're freaking out for no reason on us for no reason. (laughs) Right. And even now to this moment, he still is just like, Nope, I have no idea why you are just like being a psychotic mom. So um, anyway, but you're absolutely right. Like when that, that's what like made me go even like more upset. Like, um, and you're right, because then it just progress. Nothing got better after that. It wasn't how I pulled it. Then it's harder for him to get back down. And for him, sometimes just giving him space. And so a lot of times at home, we're like, you know, just go take some time in your room, read a book, just give him some space. At school, that's harder to do because they don't have like a nice, quiet space. He's at a school that's overcrowded. They bus already 100 kids to another school. So yeah. they don't really have much in the way of like space to go calm down. Yeah. And so. Um, we've decreased how much time he's in his general education class because it's just hard for him to be in a class with 25 kids. Yeah. Then his other thing is he has a very low frustration tolerance when things get hard at school. So, and so that's the thing that kind of sets him off at school. Like he hates math with a passion and fourth grade math is all fractions and all that fun stuff. Yes, it's not. And he just doesn't have, but one good thing about him is he has, several incentives that work very well. He has a major sweet tooth. And so his he has a pair one-on-one pair educator. And she I send I send I give her each week like a bag of like little tiny Hershey kisses. <laughs> and so every time he does a math problem, he gets a Hershey or no not Hershey kisses, little tiny chocolate chips. Oh chocolate. and every math problem, he gets a chocolate chip. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, too, is like the reality of it is, is that now that they're not at school, it's like when you're, I'm thinking about some of the reinforcers and things that he's working for at school, trying to figure out how to bring some of those reinforcers home, because that's the thing, too, is like I'm with you, Al, like because David and Meg are um, I have both sides of the parenting picture here tonight, which is great. Um the hard part is, and Caleb's fine too, it, it feels like summer vacation. We're not going to school. I don't really appreciate this online school thing. Um, and so that's the thing is it's like, okay, so when he was at school, what were the things that were motivating him um, to do the work and tolerate, have the threshold to tolerate some of the work and trying to figure out some of those nuances to bring home? I don't know. Have you guys figured out? See, Logan, Logan will do anything for electronic time. So I'm like, get this and this and this done and then you can play video games. See, and Caleb is too, but here's my problem. Everything is on technology right now. His whole learning mm-hmm. platform is technology that it's kind of lost its luster a little bit. Do you, if I'm being honest with you, um, you know, before he would be more like, oh, I'll do Moby Max because it's online. It was on his iPad. Well, now that that is his actual 
form of math, he is really becoming, he's pushing back and he's just like, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? And so now I'm like, man, do I wish I had some like worksheets right now? Because he's actually, for him, that was like the break where, oh, if I get to do like the movie max on my iPad, um, that would be you know, like a good compromise. But now that everything is online, it's losing its luster. So I don't know if anybody has experienced that at all. But well, the only thing I can say is what I do because Logan's very schedule oriented is every single night before the next day is I write down, I make a list of like his score for the day and I prioritize it by importance. So I put the most important things to get done are first. And so he had like 10 things on his list and some of them don't take very long at all. But if we don't get through the list, it's okay because I put all the most important things at the very top. And so he can see each day like what's expected of him. And then we cross it off as he does it. Hey, Tony, I think you need to come live at my house because you know what? What's the funny thing about our (laughs) fight today? I'm going to be honest with you is that I was like, you know what, Caleb, I need you to become more of a self-starter. Like meaning like when I wake up in the morning, like I don't want to do the dishes. I don't want to take out the garbage. I really don't even sometimes want to log onto my computer to answer work emails. But the reality of it is, is in order to get to the fun stuff that I like, which is going outside and playing in the garden, I have to get these things done. You know what I'm saying? So it's funny that you're actually talking about that because he's like, I, you know, screw self-starting. I don't care. Like it's stupid, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It's this whole thing about like, you know, nobody gives a stupid crap about, you know, self-starting like and it. And it just became like this big thing. But I think when you're actually putting it more in the, okay. So when we wake up, here's the things that have to get done today. Here's the things that you want to do. So mm-hmm. at least check off three things of the stuff that you have to do before we can get to that other stuff. Cause it's so funny. Cause I feel like you just were like spying on my life today because exactly what you're talking about is, you know, life is about, we have to do things we don't want to do. And he's mm-hmm. just, it, he's in the, it's summer. It's the weather's the sun, the sun's been out, which is almost worse. If it was raining outside, maybe my life wouldn't be so bad. But, um, so I don't know if you guys like me, I'd say, I'd say for motivation though with Morgan since we've been working from home though is a lot of Morgan's motivation at school is just being there with the teachers and they're in her face all the time. So they're prompting her and they're telling her what to do. And that's why we've had such issues with getting her motivated because it's summer vacation. The teachers aren't there and they aren't in her face. But when we we've started, of course, they've started their class meetings. So that's important to get her on that information so that she can be face to face in a way with the teachers. But I've also started doing a one on one. So we did that this week with her main teacher, though she also has the resource teacher and um, the individual. She's sixth grade. So they have a social studies and science teacher as well. So I'm probably going to take turns with each of those and getting them one on one so that teacher can actually be in their face and say, hey, this isn't just mom asking you to do this you know we are still teaching and this i am your teacher and i am asking you to do your work just like you here at school because it's so hard for her to be able to take school home because home is the place where she doesn't have school and she'd come home from school and she's exhausted from the day so we would do a little bit of homework which was always torture anyway but home was relaxing time so that transition has been tough but getting that teacher back in their face again (laughs) has been really helpful as well yeah because i feel like as opposed to what tanya was saying um sorry to interrupt holly as opposed to what tanya was saying uh we're the primary um targets for when she tells people to kiss off not the people at school so she actually will not mouth (laughs) off or do anything so because of that it's almost like she's forced and compelled 
Whereas uh, she gets home and she doesn't mind unleashing on us and we just have to take the barrage. And um, I think I described last time, it's just amazing that the 20 minutes of resistance leads to five minutes, the stuff that she can actually do, but she cannot put aside the 20 minutes worth of resistance. And Tanya, I uh, sympathize with your husband. We are resolvers. We are problem solvers. And we want quick resolution. And as you know, there is no quick resolution. I don't have time for your feelings. I don't have time for your outburst. You need to get this. You know what? Done. Um, and uh, that came back resoundingly, actually, when Meg went away for a week to Amsterdam. So I had the girls all by myself. Um, and so a couple of things availed itself. The first night, uh, the girls were a little bit scared. So... Um, we were all sleeping in the same room and it just wasn't going well. The girls were kicking each other and just antagonizing. And I just lost my, you know what? And I ended up, um, and I'm not generally the corporal punishment guy. I ended up spanking Morgan and it was a uh, Piper of all people like, dad, you know, you handled that wrong. My youngest, youngest person in my house, dad, you had, if you just ignored it, it would have gone away. I'm like, you know, shut up because you're right. Um, <laughs> and so it, uh, Morgan, we are listening, but we're doing something right now. Anyway, I'm going to cut it off. Oh, there you go. That is. <laughs> I totally get it. And that's the thing, too. I think that right now this is even addedly complicated because where do they go to get an outlet outside of parents right now? Like, there is really none. Um, we're social distancing. So there's really, you know, like, there's really no... Caleb goes out and he jumps on his trampoline right now, but it's not like the same as being able to go out to recess and be able to run and interact and just like play. Um, you know, he's out there burning energy and getting some exercise, but it's just different. And so again, when they're mad, you know, already we're the ones that they're going to react to. Yeah. Logan's actually been taking it out on his brother a little bit more. Oh, like, interesting. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, because when they're at school, they get a break from each other. Well, now, since we've been stuck at home, they're around each other 24-7. And they're both starting to drive each other a little crazy. Yeah. So, Well, and two, when, exactly what you were saying is you got to stay calm. I imagine that probably the siblings don't necessarily stay calm because he's the younger brother. And his yeah. ability to stay calm and not let it get to him. Stay calm when Logan's mad. Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's what's really, really hard is that... Um, you know, I don't know, you know, it's hard to even coach the siblings, but you're right. I have been posting or I have been seeing some posts about how some people's kids are getting along better during the COVID-19. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just like, wow, like, um, if only, if only. Yes, you might have your moments. Like there's sometimes like in the morning, sometimes they, they're just playing great together. And I'm like, oh, this is so great. But then there's times where like, they're just like grading on each other. And so it's kind of a little bit of both. Yeah. How about you? Are you having issues with your like kids reacting and (laughs) one another or is it? Um, my boys have been doing okay. Um, actually they've been doing all right because I've been setting them outside a lot and we actually have a backyard for them to be able to run off some of that energy. Fortunately, um, we've been dealing more with the challenges of just when with Kira, you know, her being so loud and stimming and doing all of her autism things <laughs> when they are actually, when I can actually get them to sit down and work on their schoolwork and they're trying to read and concentrate and they both have headphones on and they still can't hear because of her. So it's more navigating that because everyone just needs each other's space. Yeah. Um, but as far as like getting along, they've been doing decent, decent. 
Yeah. So how about you guys, Meg and David, are how are the girls reacting to each other? I think I expected it to be worse. I I mean, it, they're not lovey-dovey or anything. It's drastically changed, but there's a lot less conflict than I thought that there would be, which is surprising to me. Do you feel like the conflict between with you guys, the resistance from them towards you is the same or different? Um, I think it's about the same. There's almost I a think level it's the same of, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, there's a level of understanding and we made it clear early on with what we're going through with, you know, COVID-19. It's like, we don't have any context or frame of reference either. We're all learning this together. And I think they're almost better equipped for it than we are. Piper, you know, she'll be on her iPad playing Roblox with her cousins in Chicago all day long. And she's good. Morgan, it's been surprising actually that Morgan is the one that has been seeking the outlets, like going outside, yeah. like getting on her scooter, going around the neighborhood. In fact, so much so, she got a little bit too comfortable the other night, and a neighbor came and said, yeah, she's about to go out on the 29th. Which is Yeah, yeah. You saw the foursome 29th we live on, which yeah, is, but still, bad. it's like, we, we um, but, uh, and this actually feeds into what I was saying earlier to finish my thought uh, when Meg was away. I have to, in order to respond, and this is going to sound how it's going to sound, not uh, politically correct, I have to become more woman-like in that I have to let them experience their feelings. <laughs> I have to say, wow, you know, I can understand why you were out there. That was that, That's frustrating. Do you feel frustrated? That, that's not my thing. Like, I, honestly, I'm like, I don't care so much as to get to the resolution, but I have to at least pretend like I do. Yeah, no, I hear it with that. I um, am going to be interviewing Ronnie um, in this podcast. She actually isn't on with us live right now because she probably could have been giving us lots of great feedback. The cool thing about Ronnie is that she um, works in a behavior intervention classroom um, at an elementary school. And one of the things I love about her um, is that you know, David, you touched on this where, you know, there's all this resistance. It's 20 minutes of resistance for five minutes mm-hmm. amount of work. You know what I mean? And the thing about Ronnie is, is that um, she knows and understands the art of making the ask. And here's what the expectation is, but still gives them a choice and how it rolls out. So it's like, hey, we are going to be doing math. And, um, you know, don't like. I know you don't like math being your you know, math is your least favorite subject. So, you know, how about, you know, you have a choice. Do you want to start math now and get it out of the way? Or do you want to take a five minute break and then come back and do math? So there's like a little bit of a choice um, in terms of how it's done. And she also has the beautiful, the most beautiful way of of denying or saying no without actually saying no. Um, and she really kind of puts it back, you know, well, that's not really a choice that I'm going to be able to live with. And so, you know, then she re-provides a choice, you know, so we're still going to have to do math. But I tell you what, how about you pick the three problems that we're going to do? You know what I'm saying? Where then all of a sudden they feel like there's they're empowered, even though you're still doing what you don't want to do. Um, there is some power in the fact that they have some control. And I think, you know, we're all, I think, we're what now? How many weeks are we into the quarantine here? It feels like a lifetime for me, if I'm being totally honest. Five, I think. Yeah, we're on week five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do feel like we're getting a little bit more into the routine of it, but I still, you know, that you're absolutely right, Dave. One of the things that I'm really frustrated in is that we spend so much time 
on resisting what we just have to get done, um, that it's just, it's exhausting. It's really, and so that's why I wanted to connect with Ronnie because she just has these natural ways of being able to navigate kids that have a lot of um, strong behaviors. And what she's told me the trick is, is that, you know, it's really giving them some control um, and some choice in things that are really, that are not debatable. Um, but you, they don't need to know that, Hey, this is a hard rule. We're doing math one way or another. We're doing math today. Um, the way that she presents it is a way that they feel like they have some choice, um, and they have a little bit of control and what has to be done. And so that was why I thought it might be kind of fun to have Ronnie interviewed at the end of this particular podcast to kind of tell us how she navigates some of those really confrontational, um, things because she doesn't get a lot of the be- extreme behaviors um, from her students that what they go home and display or also display to other faculty members at her school. So I think there's really um, a science behind it. Well, Logan actually has um, make um, giving him choices written into his behavior plan because that help that helps him if he's given a choice between two acceptable choices. Yeah, and that's the thing, but and she, the way she does it, like she she uses her Jedi mind tricks on me at times and I'm like, "Wait a minute. <laughs> I think you just used one of your Jedi mind tricks." Cuz like I said, there really is an art to saying no without actually saying no and de- and denying what it is that they're wanting to do, but put it presented in a way that they have some choices. And so I feel like um Getting some of her insight might actually help us. Um, she also was a behavior tech um, and has, I mean, she's obviously worked in a behavior intervention room for a long time. And so she's got a lot of um, tricks up her sleeve, which I think will be helpful. Um, do you guys feel like it's better now before we um, wrap up our segment um, to segue into Ronnie's piece? Do you guys think that um, it's actually gotten better from the time that or like what's kind of your crescendo? Because I feel like things were actually OK at first. But then all of a sudden when we realized, whoa, hey, um, like I felt like the beginning of the covid like break at home was actually OK because we were all kind of working together and we were tolerant. And then it's kind of hit. um it kind of peaked and now I feel like we're kind of getting better again. But do you guys, is it just my, my swing is different than everybody else's or I've been in denial and it takes me a little while to get into the swing of things. What's your, how has this looked for you guys? Well, it's been hard to know what to expect. There's been a lot of changes along the way because when this was all happening, there was new information every day, but with the whole school thing and working with the kids, I think definitely things have gotten better lately. Just the same way that you're talking about too, being able to actually get into a routine, a new routine, whatever that might be. And it's not just a temporary situation, though it is longer term temporary, but it, the school situation, we know we need to get into a routine to be able to save our own sanity. Well, so I think that they're finally adjusting to that. Yeah. I was yeah, on the at some point we thought we were going back. Yeah, mm-hmm. we just have to survive this. Well, and honestly, the te- teachers did too. They were working towards a few weeks to start with, and then it just kept changing along the way. So we kept having to change. And in the middle of all that chaos, they can feel that. They know what's going on, that that this is not normal, and this is not our routine, and how do I react? But now we're finally into something that is a routine because we have a little bit more of an expectation of the next couple of weeks or months. Yeah, I um, agree. Tony, how about you? With Logan, we've done like homeschool, partial homeschool before with him, like schooling at home. 
And so for him, like I've always said, if I just wanted him to do well academically, like homeschooling and doing school at home would be perfect for him because he does so much better one-on-one. Yeah. And so he does pretty, he actually does pretty well at home. Like one-on-one is like his thing, but his biggest challenges are like behavior and social, hence why going to school and learning those skills is so important for him. So I have a feel, I'm a little concerned about when he goes back that his, his behavior might go down having been out of that environment for so long yeah, and getting back with all that. Yeah. And that actually really is kind of part of his behavior. Like that's his, that's his therapy plan is going to school is teaching him how to navigate those elements. You could keep him home all day long and he could, you know, be right where he's great. Yeah. He likes being at home. Yeah. I agree. Um, Chevy talk to me because really you're, you are curious kindergarten, correct? Or is she first grade now? Kira, no, Kira is actually younger. She's in pre-K. She's actually supposed to be preparing to transition into kindergarten in September. Gotcha. But so also- we're, we're supposed to be in all that transition period, getting her prepped and ready. Mm-hmm. Really? And then also, too, you had to take a break from therapy for a span of time because obviously they shut down the therapy interventions um, because yep. of the COVID restrictions. Now you guys are starting to go back. Um, yep. So... In terms of, did you see, uh, without going to those therapy sessions, did you see a spike in behaviors or was it actually a, a, a decent break um, or did you see a regression? Well, we had, we had just, we had like a week where we didn't do anything. And then we had, you know, we started doing in-home therapy, but I mean, to be honest, I am like super grateful for therapy because that is the only thing that's tying her to somewhat of routine right now and she thrives off of it so much the week that she didn't have anything she did okay but she likes knowing what she's doing each day like she we've actually even just transitioning from not therapy to in-home therapy um we were actually having a discussion yesterday about making her a social story because we actually had a meltdown yesterday she didn't know which day she had ot And, uh, she loves OT and, uh, we went to bring her into ABA and literally yesterday morning, um, we're with the ABA and she's just like, Nope, that's not what I want to do right now. I wanted to go to T. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is OT. And I'm like, she has her days all mixed up and she, and she gets mad. And so it's like her just not knowing okay what's happening now <laughs> she has no routine like we could go a friday and a monday that's when she has speech and ot and she she knows that morning she's already talking about it she knows that's her day to go and i can't even have a conversation about it with her but she knows yeah. what her routine is so the fact that it's so different she's still just trying to adjust to just all the changes so her her sleep's been kind of affected because she's so routine and behaviors have increased and um she's still just trying to figure it all out we we actually literally yesterday talked about making her a schedule where she can see the pictures of her knowing who you're going to see today so we can try to avoid those meltdowns. Because yesterday, literally, she's screaming at her ABA therapist, no, Becca, which is her OT. <laughs> like, you're the wrong person. Like, go away. You're the wrong person. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been definitely ups and downs. But, I mean, if we didn't have therapy right now, we wouldn't even have that tether to kind of hang on to which is part of her routine because yeah. preschool is just out the window basically um so so yeah i mean it's definitely ups and downs but 
um, it's something to at least have for therapy. And I'm just hoping that that gets better as that becomes more routine. Yeah. So that's actually a really good segue into the next section is like, how do you, because it's hard for all of us when your kids are not doing well and they're not, they're struggling. Like, you know, Kira's struggling because she doesn't have a routine and her days of the week are mixed up, which I can totally appreciate that because half the time I have to, I've now like tethered to my watch so that it can tell me, Oh, today is Tuesday. Cause like, I literally mm-hmm. can't even tell what day of the week it is anymore. Um, what are things that are helping you to like keep it together? Because I think that's the biggest challenge is that we're all, our kids are going up, has their ups and downs. We're all learning new routines. Um, in terms of, you know, for those people that are listening, like, what are you doing to work in mental health when there's really no break? Like we don't have a break. Um, I always tease that, um, working was my break. You know, I would get the kids off to school and that actually is my break and my outlet. Um, and I, I'm home. We're together 24 seven. Cause like, we're just a big happy family right now. Um, so what are you guys? Cause you know, sad reality is alcohol is not going to be good for my mental health. And that's kind of where, you know, some nights it's kind of like, Oh, what, what, so what are some healthy things that you guys are doing to do self-care for you guys in, in all of this, you know, when you've got more behaviors because they're frustrated, their routines are different. They're frustrated with school because you're the teacher. Now, what are things that you guys are finding that are helpful um, for mental I'm going to say um, a certain allowance of the behavior in that we had some extenuating circumstances in that my accident and coming home from that coincided with this whole shutdown. So there was an a- there was an aspect of this of like this almost euphoria of like, oh, my gosh, we're back together. We're safe, this kind of thing. And that the buzz of that lasted about a week and a half. And then um, <laughs> you got to give feedback. Then, People are listening to this and they're saying, what, what accident? So just briefly, uh, we were out of town and had an accident in Arizona. Yeah, freak hiking accident in Arizona that included a medevac, a broken femur and having to get home right before they were going to shut down all the flights anyway. So the euphoria of that and it was right there in the shutdown. Um, right but, as uh, they announced the closing for schools, right, right, right as they were. Yeah, yeah, I was watching all of this on Facebook, like, oh my God, it's worse, you know. So, but it's just the allowance of the fact. I mean, Meg, God bless her, has had to take care of three kids in in this whole process. Um, And so, as things have evolved, and you know, fuses get shorter, and that type of thing, um, just you don't try to correct the behavior too much. I mean, it's just like you. are allowed to be frustrated. You're allowed to be anxious. You're allowed to be exactly what you feel right now. And it actually kind of came to a culmination last night. Um, for whatever reason, <laughs> for whatever factors, Meg has uh, been lacking sleep the last couple nights. And, you know, it was just, uh, it was just, uh, I had a day anxious. yesterday. And so it Let's was just about say eight irritable. O'clock. Yeah, it was about eight o'clock. And I said something to Piper and um, Meg thought I was addressing her and she snapped. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not addressing you. I am avoiding addressing you, right? I just, you know, I'm avoiding talking to you. And she just started cracking up. It was like, that was cool because that way, that was the acknowledgement that we understand that, you know, we're dealing with the unknown and the anxiety. If you, you just gotta allow for it. And don't even stop just, it with it. I didn't just laugh. I said, well, I wouldn't want to talk to me right now either. <laughs> We know we're not our best selves. I don't we're a mess right now. I can't fix yeah. it, but I know I'm not my best <laughs> self. So, 
I totally get it. So what's your outlet then, Meg? So how are you like taking care of your mental health? Because David has been very open and said that you've been taking care of three kids because of his accident. (laughs) Have you found any like things that have helped your mental health? Well, it's kind of funny though, that, you know, as the person that, that is the one who seemed more able-bodied right now is I'm the one that's doing the shopping trips or the, the go to pick up the groceries or whatever it is. And those kind of are a bit of my breaks too. I mean, even had a few days where I was just home a couple days in a row and I had to go get a prescription. And I thought, how oh, is this so exciting all of a sudden I'm out of the house. And you're, you got to realize there's these very simple things now that are so exciting to us because it's just out of the range of normal. I'm excited about. Say that again, Tanya. I have a prescription pickup tomorrow that I'm excited to go get. Exactly. So I haven't felt like, you know, it's been horribly rough. But then another odd thing is that having David home is odd too, not just because of the accident, because he travels for work a lot and he could be gone three days out of the week. I think the girls have just been enjoying having him all the time. And me too, having him here. Yeah. So that's been... Oh, right? Because you're a traveler. Yes. The kids have actually really liked having Simon around. And I actually gave him a compliment the other night. I was like, I I was like, I'm watching you dad over there. It's pretty like, I love watching it because like, I don't get to see these moments where he just like gets to wrestle with the boys on the trampoline. Or, you know, he's running around with Kara with the sprinkler, whatever, whatever it might be. It's like, we don't get that time in the week. I mean, we get that sliver of the weekend, usually that on our normal schedule, because um, he just travels so much. So that that has been an added silver lining with all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But for as far as self-care, I uh, take an obscene amount of Epsom salt baths. <laughs> Always thinking yes, about that. Yes. <laughs> and um, I try to do the groceries and the coffee run because I need an excuse to leave my house for 10 minutes because I just need a break. Um, I uh, dropped you a little care package the other day, Holly, and you're all the way out in airway heights. <laughs> you're like, no, no, I'm too far. I'm like, no, no, really. I want to come. <laughs> like, please. It was like, oh, I have a care package for you because I was complaining that, you know what first responders need is we need toilet paper. You're like, we can't find toilet paper in the town. And she's like, oh, I have a care package. I'm like, you're not driving. From Liberty Lake to Airway Heights to bring me toilet paper. I was like, no way. And she was like, no, I don't mind. It was so sweet of you to do. There's no, so I really think we can do. That was just it. Now, when you put it in perspective, you're right. That was your mental health time. So now I feel, I still feel a little, every time I look at the toilet paper, I'm like, Chevy drove for forever to bring me that toilet paper and that people magazine. So you're very sweet, but you're right. That is mental health. So I talked to you, Holly, about this. Like, I'll go get my coffee and then I'll come home and I'll just sit in my car and not go inside. Tanya and I have talked about that. I literally turn off the car and I just sit there. Yes. (laughs) Don't even strike it out. I just, Sip my coffee, look at my prescription bag that I just went and picked up. We just sit in our car. Like that is mental health. You're right. Sitting in my car. And David and and David and I will just go get a coffee together in the car to our drive through. The two of us. But then even it's a break for the girls too, because they're like, Oh, you're leaving the house? For how long? How long will you be gone? They're like, we're just going to get coffee. And they're, oh, you can't go longer? You're asking too many questions about how long I'm going to be gone. Because I have teenage boys. (laughs) I'm telling you what. Like, that's... Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. 
Tanya, yeah, and then we find thing? the Easter candy wrappers. Oh, yeah. See, that's exactly it. That was why I had my meltdown is I found the Easter candy wrappers all over the floor with some like, mm-hmm. cereal bowls and stuff. And I'm just like, I snapped a little bit. Tanya, aside <laughs> from your car rides for your prescriptions and sitting in your car um, for some quiet time, do you have any other mental health tricks that are that are helping you? Um, that, well, our house is a really good layout if I need time to myself because we live in a split level. And so most of the time, we spend most of our time upstairs, but we have a nice basement and the kids, they go down there some because there are playrooms down there, but they don't like being down there that much. And so I can just go to the basement to get away too. Oh yeah, that's true. You know, I have actually found that the one place that my kids will not bother me is when I'm doing yard work because they don't want to be asked to participate in the yard work. Mm -hmm. So I have actually, people, it is a new low it is a new low right now when I actually am out there picking little pieces of grass out of my flower beds and finding it therapeutic. Um, it's like all satisfying pulling these little pieces of grass out. And I just am meticulous and take my time. But I do recognize that it's partly because my kids won't bother me because God forbid that I then ask them to like help me go get me something. So they're just like, poof, they're all gone when it's yard work time. And so it's like sitting out in the sun Picking all these little pieces of grass out of some of my flower beds has been actually my my mental break. But here's the other thing where I've actually had to like check myself. Now, keep in mind, I have four kids at home. So managing the academic expectations of all four kids in high school, I've got like 12 teachers, 12 different teachers that are sending messages. And let's be real. They're not good about managing their time. And well, I don't know what that assignment meant. So I didn't do it because I don't know what he means. Well, how about sending an email and asking? You know what I'm saying? Because there's just some nuances. Well, I didn't know what that means. So so you just didn't do anything. So you got 12 teachers in high school, you know, Caleb and elementary school. And so he has his his six. He's in, also in sixth grade. So he actually has his home based teacher, but then he rotates um, to, you know, two different other classrooms as well. So there's essentially three teachers there and then his learning support specialist and his speech therapist. So there's five that I'm dealing with there. Mm-hmm. And then Kelly has, thank God, just one teacher and he runs a tight ship and he, he is very organized and knows his technology. So he's, he's getting a very big gift from me at the end of the school year because he's really managing his classroom well. And I appreciate that. But I have just had to basically, there are some days where I just, I am so overwhelmed with the amount of information coming home and the expectations and all those different classes that um, I appreciated the email that we got from our school district where they're saying that, you know, if your kid is between this grade and this grade, you know, here's mm-hmm. how much time they should be spending on learning a day. And so for fourth through sixth graders, it was like 75 minutes. Okay, you know what? I can get through 75 minutes a day. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like if I, you know, we can structure this. If we, you know, I was asking the kids today, which do you prefer? Do you prefer doing a little bit of each subject each day? Or do you prefer like Monday being one subject, Tuesday being a different? And actually they were both saying that um, now with my daughter, because her teacher has this, his, this whole thing figured out. Like he must've been planning that for this his whole life. I don't know, but he's very organized. <laughs> but for Caleb, he's like, nope, I just want to do one subject one time a week. And I'm like, okay, I can work with this. And so it was a little bit of that. And then when the wheels come off the way again, it's just like, you know what? We got 30 minutes in today and that's just going to be good enough because otherwise I think, you know, it's that expectation and, you know, trying to figure out it becomes overwhelming. And so I've just had to say, you know what, we did our best today and our best is good enough. And even with Trevor today, um, 
I'm not going to lie when he's saying, I don't know what that means. So I didn't do anything with it. I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm reading it and I don't know what that means. So we need to do a follow-up email. And, um, he didn't get back to us until late. So I'm like, well, you know what? Like I'm done. I'm over school today. So we'll deal with that tomorrow. And just, you know what I mean? Just being fine with that, not feeling like, okay, it's, you know, seven o'clock at night, we're going to jump back into this. It's like, no, we're just going to deal with it tomorrow. So that's where I've had to just kind of mentally be is that, you know, we're just going to do the best we can. And, um, you know, it, it's not perfect, but it doesn't have to be at this point. So we've got to give ourselves a lot of grace and lower the expectations. And that's what I've been trying to do. And even with the screen time as well, because my girls probably get far too much screen time than they should overall, you know, much of course, now it's a whole different thing. So there's a lot of things we've just got to let go of. You're absolutely right. Piggybacking on that, Meg, I actually, on one of the Facebook pages, it was like a special needs Facebook page. Someone had said, so what is everybody doing about screen time with this COVID-19 business? And I think the overwhelming Mm -hmm. response was uh, survival mode. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Give them the iPad. I'm with you like hey if that's going to be a reinforcer and that's actually something you're like gonna I'm not like fighting or bothering me yeah <laughs> give me a break yeah Roblox okay how long you know what I'll let you play that for two hours because I need a two-hour break because like I'm like I am maxed out. So, well, I... And that's an incentive in our house for doing their academics, too, is earning the Robux for oh, the Robux. Yes. I, I <laughs> well, the, the benefits of it, like, too, it's just like... Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's virtual play dates going on. I mean, Piper's with her cousins, like, throughout the course of quite a bit of the day who live in Chicago, and she wouldn't otherwise be able to interact other than the screen time and, you know, other friends. And then... She's introducing people that I thought would never meet her cousins that live in Spokane. Now they're all hanging out together. I mean, there's there's amazing benefits to this that we don't consider. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. And I also, too, have been dishing out a lot of, like, uh, monetary Roblox, Robux, because mm-hmm. I'm like, going to get it done. Like, yes. Still trying to figure out what's going to motivate the teenagers. Uh, so... Because, you know, they can't have their, there's, I don't know if there's any motivation for a teenager. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> mine's a tween, so we can do the uh, V-Bucks for Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> hey, oh, yeah. Yep. Then, there, then that one too. <laughs> but yeah, I'm telling you, it's like, um, even I have, they're 16 and 17 and, you know, like driving isn't even motivating to them. It's like, well, where are we going to go? We can't go anywhere. And it's like, good point. Because just to drive to drive is really not that exciting after a while. So... I'm running out of stuff, but well, I appreciate you guys sharing your um, challenges with us. And like I said, we're going to add Ronnie here to the next segment of this particular podcast so we can figure out um, maybe some language that we can be using or strategies that we can use um, to get less resistant. um, And maybe it might reduce some of these, you know, combative, um, the language and even some of the behaviors. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up this section and transition into our interview with Ronnie. Thank you, Ronnie, for joining me. Um, We just finished interviewing some parents and we were talking about um, parents dealing with some explosive language and behaviors. Obviously, we're seeing kind of an influx of that now that we're doing online learning and home learning. 
Um, and also a lot of our routines and structure has been disrupted. So Ronnie, I appreciate that you are willing to talk to us because in my opinion, you are the master of, um, well, littles in general, but also like over the years that you and I have known each other, I have always just been so impressed with your ability to, um, say no without actually saying no, which is, I think, probably one of the big secrets to your success, success in, in my opinion. But I thought if we could have you come on and maybe give us some strategies. Um, so let's start with how is it that you are so successful? Because let's give it a little bit of background in your professional um, professional background, if you don't mind. Sure. I am a teacher. I'm in my 11th year of teaching. And I have a special education degree, um, but I've worked in schools for 20 years and before and after school programs that are very large and, and um, lots of kiddos and then a resource room like type of position with lots of inclusion. And then I moved into what our district, what Spoken Public Schools likes to call behavior intervention or BI. Um, however, my students don't even know what BI means. Um, they're people, not problems. And so we don't use that, that frame of reference about our kids. Um, and part of the way that I'm able to keep them on track and keep them resilient in their work um, is by saying no when I need to say no without saying no. So I use three big ideas in doing that. And I don't just rely on one strategy because kids are smart. And, you know, if I rely on just one strategy, um, it'll be effective at first and it will grow weak over time. So I mix and I match and it all comes together to, you know, create pretty happy learners, pretty happy kids at school. Um, I can get into the three big ideas now. I love it. And Or do you have more questions about background? No, let's talk about the three big like ideas. Because one of the things that, you know, when we're talking about, um, when we're talking about kiddos that have big emotions, um, you are just a master. Like watching you working with some kiddos when they're in that midst of that, like, you know, anger, explosive, like just reaction. It is just like an artwork watching you um, like just work around that. So and that's based around your big ideas. So let's hear how you do that, because I think there's a lot of parents right now that are just like riveted to hear what suggestions you're going to have, because believe me, we're, we've all been there and have been struggling for now seven weeks. So we're ready. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm currently using these three things with my online work and emails and texts to parents. So, um, it's effective virtually and, um, um, in person. So the very first thing, the bread and butter is providing choices. So you're going to use those when activities are difficult or perceived to be difficult or they're non-preferred and they are less likely to be completed. Um, you're going to give control to the kiddo in what they're doing. And that in turn um, increases the likelihood that they're going to complete the job or the task. So you're going to present two choices. Um, let's say it's time for bed. Kiddo doesn't want to go to bed and is a master in arguing and fussing and bothering to avoid bed. So um, two simple choices to get your ball moving towards bed would be 
um, okay, time for bed. Do you want to brush your teeth or get your jammies on first? Because your end goal is bed. So it's not, you know, do you want, um, do you want another video or do you want bed? No, no, because the goal is bed. Yeah, that's not, so the, that's not the end game right there for sure. <laughs> right. So the choice, then you're giving the kid the choice to, um, to decide teeth or jammies first. And, and really, at the end, it's no big deal to you. No. Both jobs need to be done. I can live with either option. Yeah, exactly. So um, sometimes we get into arguments with kiddos about the use of technology, and maybe they've been on Minecraft for too long. Um, this one works like a charm. So when their tablet turn is over and you need them to transition off, um, you can you can let them know that their turn is over. And then you, the choice you offer is, should I plug it in or are you going to plug it in? So it's ready for your next turn. And very often they'll get up and they'll walk slow to the plug-in spot, you know, as they're still thinking around, <laughs> but they're, they're transitioning, they're getting there. And then before you know it, it's plugged in. But I've also taught my kids how to politely ask for five more minutes. Oh, so I have timers up and when the timer goes off, um, any student in my classroom can say, Miss Gross, can we have five more minutes? And then I'll say, yes, of course. Thanks for asking. And I'll put five more minutes up on the board. So you can play with that timeline. If it's a half an hour turn and you don't mind giving an additional five minutes, go ahead. That's what I do at school. Um, but the, the reason it works so well is because now you've given a transition signal. You know, because we lose time when we're on our phones, when we're on our tablets, when we're watching TV. All people lose time. And a 30-minute turn can ver- can feel like seven. Yeah. It really can feel short. Robbie, so, it's like me when I hit my timer in the morning to wake up. Like that 15 <laughs> more minutes feels like three. It's the same concept when we're talking yes, about exactly. technology. Yeah. Exactly. And it's a life skill. You know, so we're we're teaching them how to get what they want by asking politely. Um, We are avoiding an argument and a fight because when the when the additional five minutes are complete, I go back to the, okay, are you going to plug it in or do you want me to? You know, so it's 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 um, it's choice based and you're also having you're doing your teaching points. Because you want them to grow up and be able to say, hey, gosh, I really need five more minutes on this. Or can I get some think time before I talk about this? Um, That's healthy. And I mean, everything should have like a a goal in mind, a a teaching point in mind, everything we do. And um, once you once you kind of mix up these big ideas, you don't sound like a robot and you're actually teaching and you're avoiding less arguments. Yes, it's brilliant. So uh, providing choices is key. As far as the online learning, my students love Dreambox and Prodigy. Mm-hmm. They don't like Lexia. No. It's the reading one. They don't like it, but they need to do it. Otherwise, they're going to come back to school and they're going to have lost so much ground. Yeah. And so, you know, I'll tell them, are you going to do it? Do you want to do it for 10 minutes or 12 minutes today? And they pick like heaven when you say, oh, 10, 10 sounds great. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So um, that's about the only way I've been able to get 
engagement uh, with Lexia. Caleb is um, I when, with online learning. I give him the choice of which subject you want to do first. Do you want to do your ELA or yeah. do you want to do math? And then that way it makes him feel like he's in some control. And generally speaking, he picks the one that's the hardest to get out of the way, which I'm actually, it's interesting because, um, yeah. So I'm like, I think that's, and so I praise that. I think that's a really good strategy because, you know, let's just get it over and done. And then that way we can move on to something easier, which is, you know, Moby Max. Although again, he loves Math Prodigy. Not a huge fan of the Moby Max because, yeah, it's just not fun. Um, But we still have to do both, but. Right. Yep. And then with, you know, with Lexia or, you know, anything that a kid finds difficult, provide a choice for the end. So, you know, aftermath, do you want to do snacks or do you want tablet time? And so you're already setting up the the transition off. They know what to look forward to in the end. Cool. So providing choices is key. That's number one. Um, number two is grandma's rule. It's the first and then. So it doesn't always have to come back to um, what some people will say, bribing kids. Um, Your first and your then can be very simplistic. It can be a little more complicated depending on the need of your kiddo um, and their ability to compromise or follow a first then plan. So, Going back to like online learning right now, I'm doing a lot of, um, you know, 10 minutes of Lexia and then five minutes of PBS Kids because they love PBS Kids. Oh, yeah, that's good. Um, You know, if you're at home and you're trying to work from home and your kiddo is under your feet and bugging you and chasing the dog, um, you know, we're just going to say, okay, mom's going to work for one hour and then we can play. We can play with the dog or, you know, but mom's going to work first for an hour. And so they know that they're going to get an enjoyable reward after um, the activity is complete. Um, And that doesn't mean candy. We can reward in a zillion different ways. Um, You know, they're wanting to play. So you're going to maybe set your phone timer, set a timer for an hour to remind yourself to get off the Zoom call and, you know, go play a quick game with your candy. Otherwise, they will always bug you. They're always going to be, you know, on top of your head and in the back dancing and, you know, all of the things. Um, So before you sit down to do things like that, it's good to just, you know, um, set up an expectation for them. I like it. So I like first then a lot. Um, And then all day long, every day, number three is behavior specific praise. And it can be, you know, it doesn't have to be um, robotic. It can be humorous. And like, thank you so much for not hitting your sister. I know she was bugging you. I know she was. Thanks for thanks for not hitting her. Um, And, you know, they sometimes they'll giggle or they'll say, yeah, I really wanted to. I'd be like, I know, that was hard for you. But, you know, you walked away. Thank you, buddy. Um, With behavior-specific praise, it it allows you to give a direct message about what, you know, noticing what they're doing. But at the same time, there's an indirect message that comes through the back door. So they know what you don't want them to do. But you're not starting your comment with a negative. Yeah. You're starting your comment with a positive. So... I appreciate the way you read your book while you were on a Zoom call. 
while I was on a Zoom call. Yeah. You know, um, um, thanks for keeping your hands to yourself. Hey, thanks for giving your brother the front seat. I know it's your favorite and that's hard for you. Thank you for letting him have the front seat today. Um, you know, and a lot of these things are stuff that comes up in sibling spotlight. Oh, yes. You know, yeah. so these are the things that we talk about at sibling spotlight because there can be frustrations within family units about something. And it seems as simple as a front seat. Yeah. But for the person who needs it and wants it, it's not simple. Yeah. <laughs> they want that front seat. It's a big deal. And yeah. So um, every time you're one of your kids just chooses to hop in the back seat to avoid frustration or argument, you've got to let them know. You saw it, you like it, you want more of it. Um, thanks for making thanks for making life just a little bit easier today. Yeah. Behavior specific praise is fantastic. Well, you know, um, it goes for in, even your spouses. I'm just telling you, ladies, like and gentlemen that are listening to this, like when um, I happen to make something that like I stumble upon that my husband enjoys in my mind, I'm like, oh, you know, like, oh, that was, you know, that was a fantastic dinner, you know, like delicious. I always think about that as, oh, this is something that he likes. And then I think about it more often to make it for him. So feel yeah. free to use it on your spouses too. It works. You think all these strategies work on your significant others. So there you exactly, go. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, even as a, as a worker in the adult world, I love behavior specific praise from my boss. You know, and I'm not, a, I'm not a people pleaser necessarily. I, you know, do the things that I do because it's internal. I'm not, you know, running around trying to seek praise, but when he notices something cool that I've done, or that I worked really hard on a project and he points that out, oh, just fills my bucket. Oh, totally. I'm with yeah. you there. And then I've got my, so those are the top three, but then um, I've got some old standbys for when you're in a pinch. Okay. So remember the top three are provide choices, use the first then rule, and use behavior specific praise. Okay. Okay. If you're in a hot moment and your kid is, you know, really fixated on something and they don't seem to want to let it go, I like to offer an alternative and then give a job. So when I say that, it, it would sound something like this. Gosh, that's a really great idea for tomorrow afternoon. Will you go write it on a post-it note for me so I don't forget? And then the kid's going to walk away and do that note. And if they don't, I get to almost have permission to forget, but usually they will, they will write it down somewhere. If you have a whiteboard on your fridge or something in my class, there's just a chunk of whiteboard and kids will ask for something. And I'll say, that's a great idea for Friday. Write it down on, write it down on the kids section. And they will, they'll go over and they'll write it down. And then it exists and they know, and they don't have to keep nagging me about it. Yeah, see, because they know we're going to do that on Friday. They can let it go because fixation. I mean, I've got 10 students. Five of my students um, are on the spectrum and it's very easy to get stuck on an idea. I mean, for all people, but it, it's, you know, it, it really can hinder um, people who have autism. So that go write me a note can sometimes stop the fixated idea. Oh, that sounds like heaven. Heaven. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea. And then, and humor works too. 
But um, we have a joke at school. So at 2.55, when everybody is packed up and ready to go and, you know, buses are pulling up and, you know, I, you notice how I don't, I never say no, but I also want them to understand. You can ask me for things. I can ask Miss Gross for things and she's not going to tell me just no, you know, um, and so at 2.55, I'll, I'll, I'll joke with them and say, oh my gosh, you guys, I went through the whole day and I didn't even say no one time. I feel a little bit itchy, you know, and then I'll do this and they giggle. They're like, oh, Miss Gross, whatever. And then they'll, I'll say, quick, somebody asks for something super ridiculous and then somebody will pop off. Can I have a million dollars? And I'll say, no, oh, I feel oh, so much better. God, I feel better. Thank you very much. Yeah. Because I, you know, I want them, a lot of kids won't notice. Yeah. You know, and it's okay to notice. Yeah. That, you know, they don't need to grow up thinking that teachers or parents just always say no. Yeah. Kids like absolutes, you know, always or never. Yeah. Oh, you so never so. say yes. You know, things like this. Yes. That's so. what I'm telling you. You have it. It's an art form to watch you work. It really is. Like, I can just sit back and watch you with these kiddos, and I'm like, it's just magnificent. So, um, because you, again, you're just, you're still getting what you want and what you need out of the kids, but it's just in such a way that it's not that just absolute deny. You know what I mean? The choices, the, um, you know, giving them a job. It's just a beautiful thing to watch. You're amazing. So what are some other options that you can think of that might be helpful for families while we're sitting at home and, and having, um, you know, like social isolation, social distancing. Do you have any other options that you can offer families? Any good reads? Yeah. Um, so Logan elementary, and you know, I've used it for years in my classroom setting, but about two years ago, Logan elementary went full, full building wide on zones of regulation. So all of our students, all of our staff, our office, our office staff, our crossing guards, people on the playground, we all know and can talk zones of regulation. It is just ingrained in our little heartbeat of our school. And it's color coded to match colors to emotions. And so it's easy for kiddos to recognize those feelings in themselves and or others. Because sometimes we have students that, you know, one will become angry and another one doesn't really understand that that kid A is frustrated. And so kid B will go over to visit or, or tease or bother or talk to when student A is in the red zone. And so not only does it teach you how to understand your own emotions, but it teaches you how to understand the emotions of others. And so the world, that's amazing. That's really helpful. Yes. So I'm a firm believer in the zones of regulation, whether your school uses it or not. I think all families can benefit from it. And now I live in a house where my son and my future daughter-in-law and my mom, you know, they're like, I'm in the red zone. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, it's just, it's part of our fabric. But um, um, it's easily found on Amazon. And the additional thing that I like about it is that it reminds the adult what not to do in these situations because often parents and teachers and friends and even grandparents, um, they will try to talk a kid down 
or give them a new demand or warn of a consequence in the middle of that red zone moment. And you should not be doing that. When a student is so angry and sad and mad that they are cussing at you or they're hitting you or they're kicking you, do not engage with a new, um, if you do that one more time, I'm going to take your tablet away or uh, you're going to go to your room. Um, I just recommend don't talk. Don't talk. You can't give them another demand. Their logical brain is gone at that time. And for some students, there's even a loss of language. I think maybe for all people, there's a loss of language when you're angry. And so you might have a, a student who, or a kiddo who is relying on cuss words when they're mad. And that's not necessarily because, oh my gosh, no, my kid talks like a trucker. It's because in those, in those red zone moments, those are the easiest words to pull out of your brain and shoot out your mouth. Oh, for me, they every are, day. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm driving the car and somebody cuts me off or doesn't use a blinker. You're absolutely right, Ronnie. Yes. So when that's happening, now is not the time to remind them that we don't talk like that. That's going to come 5, 10, 15 minutes later when the student is calm and rational and logical again. The only thing you should be worried about is, is co-regulation in those moments. Does your kid need um, does your kid need breathing? Right? So and if you tell them to breathe, it's just like me, somebody telling me to calm down. That's okay. the opposite, you know? And even sometimes telling, having somebody tell you to breathe when you're angry, students will hold their breath. You know, they're like, you want me to breathe? Oh, no. And they'll hold their breath, which for crying out loud, right? Yeah. So if you stop talking and you model the breathing, so you're just standing there and you're breathing deep and you're holding it in and you're letting it out, you would be surprised how quickly uh, the student you're working with or your child will mimic you, even if they have no intention of mimicking you. Mm -hmm. They will see it, and as soon as they start to think clearly again or have a moment of clarity, they will match your breathing. They truly will. So... It also bubbles. This sounds crazy. And, you know, I, I have had them thrown in before because I waited too long. But in the, you know, for little kids who don't understand the, um, the benefit of deep breathing, who haven't used it enough yet to, to understand how well it works, um, I keep a little bottle of bubbles in my teacher apron because just the, the, the job of, holding it up and deep breathing in deep and blowing out to make a bubble, you're getting them to breathe. Uh -huh. Now you got to do that before they're so red zone that they would rather throw it at you. Yes. Yeah, so that's the yellow zone. When you're in the yellow zone, this is when you implement yes. the strategy. Exactly. And um, time and space. And then it like just honest and true and kind conversation. Once the, once the, once the event has passed. So I always start with, wow, what happened? And they might give me a convoluted like timeline of events 
or I can hear within their story that they had a misunderstanding between a peer or a sibling. Um, but you just let them, you don't correct them when they're talking about what happened. You just listen to their whole story. And then you say, wow, how did that make you feel? Well, I felt mad. Yeah, I could tell. Well, I felt embarrassed. I would have been embarrassed too. So it's about hearing their story, feeling real empathy for the problem. I mean, we all know and love these kids. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you don't have to fake empathy when, when helping them through a crisis or after a crisis. And then, you know, a little bit of talk of... Um, how do you think that made so-and-so feel? Yeah. Um, you know, if you could say anything to them right now, what would it be now that you're thinking clearly? What would you like to say to them? And you're going to get really genuine, deep thinking answers. But none of that should be done while they're in the red zone. That's the restorative talk. That's that green zone area then. Once we're calm and yeah. the time has passed and we're back in green yeah. zone. Yeah, absolutely. So, Ronnie, is it fair to say you? I know that this answer, um, but would you? I feel like I know this answer. I feel like trauma. You're really dialed into trauma because you have kids that have all sorts of diverse backgrounds. And let's be real, most of us have experienced trauma at some point in our life. If we're being totally honest, I can't think of yeah. one person that can honestly say that they've not experienced any trauma throughout a life. Um, and one of the things that is you're really passionate about is um, is is trauma. You did a lot of trauma based training, correct? Yes, absolutely. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think, again, that this doesn't mean that you're a bad parent. Um, It's just that life is complicated. Um, And so what is like, so do you use some of these zones of regulation? I mean, we were talking about, um, you know, having honest conversations and showing empathy and, and, and not correcting how they, you feel that they should feel. Um, Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit? Because that's, I think what, we try and do is we try and, um, you know, even when my friends are sharing something that's happened, it's like, I'm trying to tell them, Oh, well, you shouldn't feel like that because that's, you know, like, no, 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 no. And that's the worst thing you could possibly do. Am I right? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. One of, well, one of my favorite little videos on YouTube is a little cartoon and it's called, most people have seen it. I believe it's called empathy versus sympathy. And it's super cute. So if you can track that down, um, it's maybe four or five minutes and it's definitely worth your time. But um, we are very, very, um, uh, I don't want to say aware because that's not enough. We, we just understand how trauma can spill out into other avenues of life. It can spill over into schoolwork and into friendships and into um, how you feel about yourself and um, even intimacy. So the more you, oh yes. So the more you know about it, the better off you are. And um, it comes down to you know some people say, well, I've had trauma and I, you know, I don't do this and I don't do that. But the key to to Experiencing trauma and moving past it is is your one trusted person. So if you don't have key people in your life who you can talk to and rely on, who that you know for certain have your best interests at heart, you're not going to be as resilient 
and unaffected by trauma as somebody with a good support system. So, you know, support comes from families, grandparents, teachers, and as our kids age up, friends at school. So very often, um, kiddos who are experiencing big and scary things um, are scared to talk about it and scared to tell and worried about what others might think of them for how they behaved while the traumatic situation was happening. And I think until everybody just becomes more informed about trauma, those misunderstandings are going to keep occurring. So it's about your people, your people who love you and care about you and get you through the tough times. That's why, you know, I could have experienced something extremely scary and awful 15 years ago, but I had mom and dad to call, you know, and I had Jessica and I had, I had people in my life who um, could help me through those dark times. So it's more common than you would think mm-hmm. people hide it. And then it spills out in very unexpected ways. And that can be behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a, there's a 10 question ACEs questionnaire. It's been out for about 20 years. And depending on how many yeses you've got, um, it can gauge you into um, how traumatic a small, quick one-time event was or a prolonged like year to two year problem within the family or problem at school. So if you, if you hate middle school and you're struggling and you're just two years of prolonged you, or you, you're really trying to learn about yourself and, and figure out your friends and things like that. And for somebody who, who does that prolonged experience over time with no help, no help, no parent to talk to, no teacher that they trust, a best friend that, you know, they can't count on to keep quiet. Without that that support, those kids later in life are more likely to engage in high-risk behaviors, self-injurious things, eating disorders, promiscuity, uh, you name it. And it all comes back to an awareness of trauma, not being embarrassed about it, and building up your people. You've got to have people. Yes. And the sympathy um, as opposed to empathy. Is that a correct? Did I say it correctly? Empathy. Empathy, empathy as opposed to sympathy. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. But I've got a couple of books that I absolutely love. Um, so if you can't take a, a webinar or go to a seminar, um, you can read these at your leisure. And they, to be very honest, aren't the easiest books to read. Okay. I was unable to read. I love to read for about a half an hour before bedtime. I did not read these two books one time, first day. Um, it's the kind of stuff that makes you look at your ceiling for two hours. Um, it's brilliant information and a must read for anybody who's thinking about it or um, interested in knowing more. You know what so I the think first- these types of books are good for listening to? Either when you're going for a walk or working out or in your car. Yes. Those are yes. things. That's when I do some of my real deep thinking, but you're absolutely right. Right before bed, I got to listen to something like, because otherwise your brain's turning yes. and it's bringing stuff up and you're having to really process and think about it. And that's a sleepless night right there. So I yeah. love 
I, I think you're, thank you for the heads up. You're welcome. So the first one that I really love is called The Deepest Well. And my copy is at school. So I'm, I believe the author from memory is Nadine Burke Harris. And you are correct. I Googled it for you. That is the oh, correct author. Good. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, my second favorite book is called The Body Keeps the Score. And that one's a hard read. Okay. Well, and we are going to put, um, actually, we're going to put the zones of regulation, a link to that um, on this podcast so people can find that if they're interested. Because you also mentioned for that zones of regulation that there's actually a flash drive, some downloadables that you then use with that. So I'm going to make sure I put that in the in, yeah. in this particular post. And I'm also going to put a link to both of these two books that you're recommending in case people are interested. I was also going to put a link to the ACEs questionnaire because in case someone is is interested, I think um, it's worth at least having a quick link to that so people can find it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and we were going to put some, you know, you also said that there were some good YouTube videos that actually um, demonstrate some of that zones of regulate regulation yeah. activities there. Um, there's videos for parents and teachers, and then there's videos for kiddos. Perfect. And I am going to try and find the empathy versus um, sympathy video so that we can post it with us too. Cause I just feel like there's so much great information that you're providing us. Um, I think that empathy and sympathy, I think that came from a Ted talk. Oh, really? Okay. You can, you can find the chunk in YouTube that, that is, you know, that five, six minutes chunk. You don't have to watch the whole talk. Okay. Perfect. Oh my goodness. There's just so much great information. Is there anything else? Do you, do you feel like you kind of gave all, all your tricks and, and great materials away? I mean, I know you're always willing to share. And like I said, every time I'm having like a problem with one of my kids, like you're just such a, Oh my gosh. It's just so good to talk to you. Cause it's like that I get so many aha moments like, Oh, why didn't I think of that? Like, it's just so simple, but why didn't I think of that? And I think you'd sometimes get, so you're too close to it that it takes kind of an outside perspective and then watching you be able to put some of this great stuff in action and see just how it works is just, it's inspiring. But so are, thank that, you. Do you feel like was that the majority of the, the items that you were kind of thinking that might help families in this time? That and just remember that we all feel like we could have been more effective. You know, there are times when I go to bed at night and I think, gosh, I, I could have done it this way. And I, I wish that had worked a little bit better or I expected that to look different. And it happens to everyone. So, you know, the reason that I am able to put together my top three strategies and the resources is because I had to make mistakes along the way first. So I had to learn what didn't work in order to really find and uh, hone in on strategies that do work. So give yourself some grace. Holy cow. Yeah. It's not going to, to help you or help your child or help your student if you are full of blame and sadness about what's happening right now. And all families, all families are struggling with online learning. All teachers are struggling. Uh, we're doing the best we can in a brand new situation. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had no way. There's my Kelly. Yeah. Kelly had no way of knowing um, how this would shake out. Yeah. So 
Give yourself grace. We're all learning. We're all learning every day. So before we wrap this particular podcast up, I'm going to make a plug because you mentioned it in um, this podcast recording. You mentioned Sibling Spotlight. And just so if you're unfamiliar with Sibling Spotlight, Isaac Foundation um, years ago started a program that we call Sibling Spotlight. And it's really focusing on um, the neurotypical siblings um, because... Again, um, it's hard. It's hard on a whole family. Um, but I think that there's probably, unfortunately, not as many services and focus on our neurotypical children um, to give them an outlet and a safe place for them to be able to share and talk about some of these experiences and their frustrations. And so we started Sibling Spotlight. Um, I was so um, grateful when you agreed to be our facilitator because you were just like a master. Um, and so um, gosh, we've been doing it now for many, many years. And so, uh, in fact, so my daughter walked in and of course she's in sibling spotlight cause, um, she has a lot of big feelings about, um, her life. And the wonderful thing about it is she knows that she has a place and she has friends. And, and again, it's that trauma because again, I feel so guilty about the fact that, Oh gosh, you know, like my kid is so traumatized, but you know, again, it's, the sad reality is if I didn't give her a way to work through some of these things, then that would be the bigger shame. You know what I mean? Um, so again, we all have to have grace. Uh, and, you know, we're all doing the best that we can. We can always learn um, on how to improve things. And, to, um, and again, looking for opportunities for our kids to be able to get some of this stuff off their chest, I think is key. So Ronnie, would you be willing? Um, I have been wanting to do a podcast recording on Sibling Spotlight. I would love to do it maybe when school is over because we're all so overwhelmed. And I am just grateful that you took time out of your day today to do this recording because I know that you are, it's like drinking through a fire hose. I know for <laughs> general, but also then I think it's even harder for our special ed teachers because, um, you know, classroom learning is, is can be difficult, can be difficult for a lot of our kids. So the virtual learning model and how to deliver special services, I think is even more challenging. So would you be willing after the school year is over, like, what is it? June 19th is when we're done. Would you be willing to do another podcast recording so that we can talk about sibling spotlight and some of these elements and how you bring that into, um, into the sessions and, and how you, just facilitate conversation because again, a lot of it too is, um, you know, giving them an opportunity to talk and not, and removing the shame. And I think that again, removing the shame is, is where the healing begins. And so maybe we could talk a lot about that and some more trauma-based learning and training that you've done Would that. Would you be willing to do that? Absolutely. Perfect. All right. Well, I am not going to take up any more of your Friday afternoon, people. We are recording this on a Friday afternoon. Yes. And it's sunny. It's It's so sunny sunny outside. sunny outside. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this particular podcast of Autism in the Wild. So thank you so much for joining me. And we'll catch you all again real soon. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe and just remember, we're all in this together, so find your tribe and hold them tight.